Good morning. It really is good to see you. My name is Previn Vong. For those of you who do not know, I'm the pastor here during the interim period. And welcome also to you who are, who are participating uh, from someplace else, uh, watching a streaming uh, version of this here. It is just good to be back, is it not? You know, this is the first Sunday after Easter. And Jesus is still alive, just saying. He is still alive and we still want to worship him as Lord. And so to find a text that kind of matches that situation and, and kind of spur us on to, to the life that follows uh, the one who is the risen Lord, uh, I want us to turn to Mark chapter 4. And different from what I normally do when I'll speak a little bit while you find it, I'll begin by reading uh, chapter 4 of the Gospel of Mark. And it's going to come up here on front. I'm going to start just a, just a verse earlier than what we get in the text that if you just follow along. It's kind of intriguing uh, parable Jesus tells here, especially when you sit it in, in perspective. Uh, he's just been told that, that his mother and his siblings are there to talk to him. And he says... My brothers and sisters and mother are those who do the will of God. In fact, let me tell you a story. And then he goes, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the bird came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell uh, among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, uh, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. When he said, Then he said, let anyone who has ears listen. And then he, uh, the disciples come to him and say, we, we don't understand. And then he says, verse 13. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. And when they hear the word immediately, when they receive it with joy. But when they have no root, they are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. And these are the ones who hear the word, but worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on the good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times of what was sown. Now, we're city folk, right? We understand asphalt. We understand concrete. We understand exhaust pipes. We understand Uber drivers that are late. We understand office environment. We, we get all these kind of red light stuff. We get that. But stories about sowers and, and, and fields and agriculture and harvest and all that. Yeah, how does that relate? 
Am I alone in here? <laughs> I hope not, right? So, so we are, we are in this thing together, right? This is how it is. And we, in fact, we can get so wrapped in our shopping patterns that we sometimes turn things upside down. You talk to people about food and they, they reply as if it's something that grow on shelves in book, in, in the stores, right? In grocery stores. It is just so completely wrapped in our understanding of consumerism that that must be how it works. And I'm going to be uh, coming back to that because we are consumers. We are so much consumers that it's almost easier to get upset with the manager of the grocery store for being out of something than it is to say thanks to God that he allows it to rain and, and have sunshine and have cold and have hot and have all the, the things, all the ingredients necessary for things to grow ready that there will be anything on the shelf at all. Right? We can get things right, but we're just so consumers and it, it plays into everything. We consume just about anything and we are not thinking of ourselves as producers. Goods. Well, we're not fixing stuff. We just get buy a new one, right? We, we are consumers of goods. We are consumers of knowledge. When I, I have to deal with that with my, 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 my doctoral students, I have to teach them and say, hey, you are not just reading to see what someone says. You are actually not consuming knowledge. You are there to research till you can produce new knowledge. Yes. We, we're so wrapped in so many things. The same is true also with faith and with church. Think about church even when you think in that term. Churches uh, are there to provide experiences for us, right? Staff are like shelf stockers. They're there to make sure uh, there's a ready-made experience of faith that we can come and consume, Yes. And if it's not there, we're thinking, what is wrong with that? We're not asking, how can I grow? We're asking, are they providing what I feel I need at the moment? Oops. That's where we look at this text. And we see that there's a far distance from that. And then the kind of uh, prayer that Jesus would have prayed. All the ancient Jews prayed it that way when they said, blessed are you, O Lord, who makes bread come out of the ground and fruit grow on the, on the vine? That kind of point is what he's making here. And it is on that kind of background that we need to read this text, even as we're here in the 21st century in a big, big city on God's earth. So can we ask ourselves with this, has it become a reality, even in our walk with God, even on this Sunday, first Sunday after Easter, that we have turned even our walk with him into a matter of consuming rather than learning about life and growing from this? What is this about when we look at this? Jesus picks up an imagery, a picture that is well known 
in the area. He's not really trying to say anything in particular about the, the actual sowing and the actual soil in, in terms of that. He's using an image that everybody knew. They saw it around them all the time. And so he knew exactly that they understood what he was saying, that he was saying something different from the illustration itself. But the point was clear enough. And so, as we look at this, there's something about these things uh, that, that allow us to kind of grab into the picture and understand some of the emotions that come with that. The jubilation of thanksgiving that comes with the harvest, for example, must be known by us who follow Christ. What is this all about? That anticipatory longing that comes when you sow and, and put seeds in the ground that we trust God as we are waiting for him to, to kind of bring it about where we can jump in joy because harvest is here. There's an inter- interconnection between the, the sowing and the nurturing and the harvesting that we can't let go of if we are supposed to understand anything Jesus says. Are you following? This text is so rich and so powerful in so many, many ways. We cannot let go. If you let go of that, that you know, jubilation that, that follows the thanksgiving or that belongs to the thanksgiving that comes with harvest, you would miss the point of what it means when Jesus says, this is what reproducing soil is all about. That Gratitude that, that kind of washes over us as we see God work in our lives. So, here's a parable. And it's about spiritual soil. Soil that will not reproduce and soil that will. Three different types of soil that will not. One type that will. And Jesus speaks to uh, those who listen as individuals and he speaks to those who listen as, as a community. It's to the, those who will follow him. There's a large crowd of followers gathered around him at that moment. So it's about soil. But it's not about dirt in the sense that we think about when we talk about soil. It is about God planting, God providing uh, the, the growth and us nurturing that soil and, and bringing it to a point also where it would be receptive for what God is saying. And let me just say this right here uh, for all of us to understand. It's your life, friend. You have one of them. And so we may play all the way through it and then say, well, what? This is your life. We are not talking about some kind of ephemeral stuff. We are talking about your life. And Jesus is dealing directly with people's lives right here. That soil that is necessary for strength of life and for power to withstand the things that come our way. It may be. Jesus says that your life so far uh, has been like, like this, this hard tramp road, like, like a highway or like an, an interstate where nothing can grow. But it doesn't have to continue 
that way. That's the promise of this text. That's the promise of the gospel, that it doesn't have to continue that way. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Your soil, your life soil, if you will, can become the kind of a good reproducing soil that brings new life to people. This place where things can grow and where beauty can, can bloom and blossom. We're not consumers of life as Christians, friends. We are producers of life. The reproducers of the life that is given us to Christ, now from Christ. And it can bring new life to others. Please don't miss this. If you are in another group, if you belong to those who are quickly heated and, and, and quickly cooled... Those that Jesus talked about when he talked about the thin layer of soil right on the rocky surface. Then listen to this promise. That you don't have to be pushed back and forth by every wind of emotion that comes your way. It's a good thing to be able to be warmed up. It's a great thing to be able to be excited and to be filled with joy and to be invigorated uh, with things that, that are great. The good soil, the deep soil can get warm too. Are you hearing this? But when the wind comes, it doesn't get cool as quick, right? It doesn't get cool by a quick kind of a cold breeze that comes through. It may get cool on the surface. But because it's deep and rich, that warmth from the deep ground pulls up growth conditions for what is up and what gets cool even on the surface. Are we hearing this? This is the power when you see some of these things. That even if the surface gets cold because of cold winds coming our way and they come all the time, roots have found depth and power that can pull up. I have to ask you, is that not what you want? Deep down, is that not what you want? A life that has that kind of depth, that even if cold things come your way, you still have the strength that comes from the rootedness. Can we say, yes, I want to be one that has rep reproducing soil as the characteristics of my life. Maybe maybe you belong to one of those who allow whatever comes your way to just find a place in your heart and in your soul. Those that Jesus is talking about when he when he talks about, you know, the soil with the thistles and the thorns are, are, are choking out. The good grain, the good seeds. Well, if, if that's you, just, just think of this. You can rejoice because the promise is here that these, these thistles and these thorns can be removed. They can be uprooted and taken away so that your life too can be filled and can be characterized as good soil. 
That's just the reality of it. In fact, you know, there's nothing in, in what Jesus describes here with the soil that is filled with thistles and thorns. It may not be pretty on the surface, but what he is saying is that it just is soil that gives nourishment to the wrong kind of things. The soil itself can be cleaned up and get rid of that. You know, Jesus' parable here is, is the parable of joy. The parable of anticipation. The parable of hope. It's a parable that there can be and there will be harvest, even great harvest in your life too, if you would listen to what he says, even on this Sunday right after Easter. Those who call me Lord, listen to this. Let me tell you what it means to be my siblings. Here it comes. There he is. So the question is, how does this really happen? How do lives become the kind of lives that produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold? Don't we all want this? I, I kind of, I hope you're answering yes in your heart. If you live in your family, if you live with your friends, if you live in your neighborhood, you live in your workplace, you live around, it, it's almost impossible unless... We are blind not to see how much we need this. So, Paul will say this in uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Picking up on that same thing about gratefulness. He says, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another through the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God, how? With gratitude in your hearts. This is where it is, friends. This this point here is of this parable that there must be placed to give room for God's word. That's where it begins with here, even dwelling richly in us and among us. The real purpose of Jesus' parable here about the man that sowed was to say that harvest will come where the soil will receive his word. Where there's room for it both to have roots and to have blossom, so to speak. That's where it happens. It is not about consumerism. It's not about asking where do I find what I just want. It's about asking how do I grow. How does that become a reality? The promise is that your soil can become like that good reproducing soil that produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's life, friends. That's what we want. And that is exactly the emphasis right here from that Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 kind of passage here. The very beginning point for what you see, even with the singing of the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual song, it begins right there with making room for that word of Christ or as as uh, Ruth Ann wanted to sing before so powerfully on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other grounds is sinking sand. 
Just imagine this, what is coming and what is going on. We can sing as much as we want. We can get into this, you know, even a rush of joy and excitement and all that. But unless that is rooted in a deep commitment to, to God's word and a deep commitment to contemplate the depth of what he is saying, these rushes of joy and these just singing a song may produce something, but it would probably look more like the soils that don't produce fruit. But turn that around and recognize that when these comes out of a heart of a soil that is deeply and richly grounded on the contemplation of that word of Christ, what will come out of that is that soil that Jesus speaks about when he says this is life-giving, even multiplying soil and and we can check our own lives friends on this we really can this is a gospel passage right this is it's not about saying you're doing it wrong this is about say the promise of christ we can check our lives on this and how is it that we react how do you confront the things that are bombarding your life I have to ask myself that all the time. What, what is my reaction? How do I confront the things? How do I find that depth of strength to withstand the things that could have put me down? To withstand the things that could have shut me up. To withstand the things that would have torn me apart. And the answer is here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That must have the first place. The contemplation, the thoughtful reflection, the considering of what is it he says and how does that impact my life. And so when that deep soil, that multiplying soil is what fills your heart as just... Paul says here, then the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs that will create in you a joy and a satisfaction and an understanding of reality that literally will flow over 30, 60, and 100 times. How do we land this? How do we think about this? Not just as theoretical words, but as reality for my life right here and right now. I think we could say it this way. Never before, at least not in my lifetime, I don't think in my parents' lifetime for that matter uh, either. um, And certainly not in Troy's lifetime, just saying. We've never seen as much individual search for meaning as we do nowadays. It's hard to open a magazine. It's hard to flip on the television. It's it's hard to read a blog post. It's it's hard to see a YouTube video. Unless something comes up about meaning, even fashion creators are talking about how they can create fashion in such a way that it has an expression for, for how the person wearing it feels about the meaning of their lives. 
Doctoral dissertations are being written, and it's not that too terribly long ago since I read a riveting kind of thing. But they got a doctoral degree because they researched the search young people have for meaning. And how that is expressed so differently between boomers and Gen Xers and millennials and Gen Xers. And and how that comes out and how it is expressed. The need for that meaning. So let me, let me ask you this. What is the significance of an earring in the belly button for the meaning of life? It is right into that that Jesus says, yes, there can be meaning. Your life can be fruitful. It can have significance. It can be a life that is not just consuming life. It can be a life that produces life and can generate life also for others. But the meaning is not found in the many things that you can do. It's not even found in spiritual consumerism. It's not found in, in external expressions of that thing. Meaning is grown from the heart that allows time to, to contemplate and deeply reflect on God's word. And out of that, there's a soil created that carries 30, 60, and 100 fold. Is that not what you want? Yes? I hope it is. Notice what Jesus is saying here, maybe what he's not saying. He's not saying there are some people whose lives are just like the good soil. And other people who are stuck with a life that is a hard and some that has just a thin layer and some that have, have just a lot of thistles. That's not what he's saying. The promise is here that all these four different soils run through all of us. It's a matter of where we allow, what we allow to spread. And to have most significance. Now when the, when the hard soil is there and we, we recognize it, the question is how do we get that transformed into soft topsoil, even deep topsoil, if you will. When we see that there's just a, a thin layer uh, over some hard, rocky places, the question is, how do we find a way of bringing a thick layer on that that a room for real growth power? And where the thistles and the thorns and the weeds are sticking up their head, how is it that we find place to uproot this and seed all these seeds of God's word so tightly that they will be the ones that choke out the weeds and the thistles. If you, like most people these days, desire to find direction and meaning and depth in your life, let it begin right here with this contemplation on the word of God. This is the time, friends, let us not be the kind of folks, or even the kind of church, that are looking for faith experiences on shelves. 
I hope you're not the kind of person that, that are waiting to see, do we have someone else who can rearrange on the shelf this faith experience so it becomes more intriguing for me? Instead, ask, where do I find someone who can help till my ground that it can be soft and strong and find room for plants that will shoot deep roots down? How do I grow? And become like someone who just sang, he rose from the dead. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. The message here, friends, is the message to each of us about bearing fruit. About how to get there. Too many folks have seen that as an aside instead of the central point of Jesus and the power he brings from resurrection. And let us not get things turned around. Can I say that? Too often we think if we just shop enough in the grocery stores, that will increase the harvest. Instead of realizing that unless there is a great harvest... There is nothing to shop for in the grocery stores. The same is true right here. It is the soil that produces the fruit, not the fruit that produces the soil. Father, I ask that you will speak to each of us, even at this moment, We all going through whatever we're going through. But we stand right here. On this first Sunday, just a week after we proclaimed you Lord and Savior, the victor, the victor over death. The one who has broken every evil power in existence and proclaimed that you bring new life. And we're here as your followers. We ask how, how can we too be characterized by that soil that produces 30, 60, and 100%. So I ask, Lord, in this moment, would you speak to someone right here, right now, who may have lived life like it was in a state and nothing had time to grow, Someone who had turned the contemplation of God into a little sprinkling of a Bible verse here or there. Speak to us. That we may be your people. That we have a word for our neighbor. That we have a word for our spouse. That we have a word for our kids. That we have a word for our work friends. That we have a word... For those who come our way. Oh, Holy Spirit, I ask that you will walk up and down these aisles in between these rows, pews. May it not be that we just get out of here said we were here. 
and nothing changes. That's what we ask. In the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand, friends. Front here is open. If you want to pray with someone, someone will come here and pray with you. We'll be here also after the service, however the Lord is. You may need to call someone. Some of you who are listening uh, via streaming, don't hesitate to give us a call.